Lord, we just come before you and we just continue to just bask in your presence, Lord. This Pentecost Sunday. Mm. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So I was uh, talking to a pastor earlier this week. I think it was at my daughter's softball game. He asked me, like, no, it was actually at, at jiu-jitsu on Monday night. One, one of the guys, his father was a, he was a pastor or whatever, but he was asking, so, like, how, how do, like, how do you teach? It was really weird. It was really a weird thing, like, how do you teach on a Sunday, you know? Because, uh, like, oh, what's the makeup of the church? And I was explaining, oh, you must teach to that group. I was like, well, actually, no, like, in, in education, because I'm a social studies teacher, you're really taught that when you give a lesson, it's actually ideal um, for you to teach at different levels, right? So when you walk away on a day, right, that if I'm in a lesson in a classroom, that, you know, a, someone who's newer to that content or like a lower level learner or whatever, like will get something and people that are more advanced will get something, et cetera, et cetera. So I so I really try to do that. So Pentecost Sunday, I mean, we, we have a whole different backgrounds that come here. Uh, we have people that have been saved for just a little bit. We have people that have been saved like longer than I've been alive, right? We have people from all different backgrounds. And so today, if you're listening, I'm hoping and believing that you guys, are, the, the, the sermon should hit people at different levels because there's a lot going on on Pentecost Sunday or really the last day of Shavuot in, in the, the Hebrew Bible, Okay. So John 16, let's, let's get into verse 5. And I really want you to pay attention to this. So if you have a wor- with the word with you, please read along. This is the foreshadowing of essentially Pentecost by Jesus. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. A couple things I want to focus on here. Helper, the reference to the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is calling him him. Him. I want to send him to you. I'm not going to send an object to you. I'm going to send him to you, a person. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin <clears throat> and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. 
A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. <clears throat> so what is this? This is like, um, I don't know. This is almost intermission time or a little bit after intermission of, 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 of the book of John. All right, so in, this scripture, in these scriptures right here, what is Jesus, what is he saying about the Holy Spirit? His job. He's going to convict the world of sin. Right there. He's going to convict the world of sin. This is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. Is it your job to convict the world of sin? Is it your job to convict your son or daughter who has kind of gone off the beaten path to convict them of sin? No. So beautiful. So freeing. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict your spouse, yourself, your neighbor, your kids, your coworker of sin. Not my job. Now, we obviously are a light, but the, the onus is on him. How beautiful is that? <clears throat> Now, a real good one. It's his job that he's going to convict of righteousness. That Holy Spirit speaking of, of, of needing to lay certain things down to grow in the righteousness of the Lord. Anyone uh, recently get your, like, your heart tapped a little bit? It's time to grow in a little bit of righteousness. Righteousness. Right? Look, if, if you haven't had a little knock on your door like that of your heart and your spirit, you, you have to ask yourself a couple questions, right? One of those questions, what is my involvement with the Holy Spirit? What is my connectivity to him, right? Last time I checked, right, we're being transformed daily, 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 daily. And so, you know, like there are times where I'm like, you know what, I haven't really had much of a conviction on certain things of righteousness. And then I'm trying to beat myself up in any way, shape, or form. But if you've kind of been like, on cruise control for a little bit, it may be like, whoa, 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 where, where was the conviction for righteousness? An important lesson. Um, conviction of judgment. And then he will give you and guide you in all truth. He will speak of the things that he shall hear. And this is what's so beautiful about prophetic words and words of knowledge, right? The Holy Spirit is bringing a word forth. The Holy Spirit is conveying that as a mediator, essentially, from the throne room of God. And, of course, to glorify Jesus, right? Come on, I want to focus right now real quick on, on righteousness, right? The Holy Spirit's job largely in a born-again believer because I know so often on this day, right, we start throwing out phrases like words of knowledge, prophecy, speaking in tongues, uh, interpretation of tongues. Yes, that, that is all a part of Pentecost. But when Jesus is speaking here, he's not actually he's not saying like the Holy Spirit's going to come and, and right now in this selected scripture, you know, is going to have you do all those giftings. What he's saying here in this scripture is that his, his spirit power is going to be here to really transform you into the image of the Son from glory to glory till we see him face to face, right? I mean, that's, that's what today is about, plus all the giftings. But being transformed. And so, look, you know, this, I, I did, the Lord downloaded this to me a couple years ago, and I know it's a little repetitive maybe for some people that have been around here at church for a while, but for, for some of the newbies, maybe you haven't heard this kind of thought before. 
But it dawned on me several years ago. It's like, all right, we, ha- we have the Godhead. <clears throat> you have God the Father. You have Jesus the Son. And then you got this, this, this thing, right? This, this thing called the Holy Spirit, right? Well, Jesus says he's not a, a thing. He is a being. It's him. He. Part of the Godhead. And it uh, completely uh, dawned on me when I was living in Israel that I came in contact with particularly um, some ultra-Orthodox Israelis who I, you know, I'm glad I'm not on the judgment seat, you know, because their hearts, some of these guys' hearts were unbelievable. And I say guys because you're not allowed to talk to the females. Some of these guys' hearts were unbelievable. I mean, they, they, they explained this thing called teshuva, which is uh, the biblical word for repentance. The way that they talk, it's almost as if it's a type of being born again. They use this type of language. Like, I was doing drugs. I was in alcohol. I went away from the faith of my fathers. And then I came in contact with the Father. And I, I wanted to repent and turn away from my sins and devote my life to, to, to the Father, to Hashem, to the Lord. My heart is full, and I have so much joy. And they're like beaming. You understand that according to the New Testament, their sins are not washed away. According to the New Testament, there is only one way to get to the Father, and that is through the Son. Now, this is what I want you guys to hear. I know many of you have heard this before. The difference of trying to know the Father without the Son. Is eternal damnation. Right? Is that right? I mean, is, is that I mean that is theologically correct. So, trying to know one part of the Godhead, the one third, by not knowing the second piece, is the difference of salvation or judgment. Wow. So, I take a look at this and say, all right, let's, let's turn it in on ourselves. I know God the Father through the Son. But I'm telling you, and I know you've heard this before from this pulpit, there are a lot of Christians who don't know yet the third part of the Godhead. Holy Spirit. Now, I know, look, look. The scripture says when you get born again, right, you are renewed by the Spirit. Yes, that is theologically true. But he's a part of the Godhead that is to be known and is to be invited in. That is the power of Acts 2. That is the power of Pentecost. You understand, you have people that are disciples. You have Peter, who is a disciple of the Christ. Yet he only knows two-thirds of the Godhead. That's what today is about. It's about having interaction with the other third, or the fullness of the Godhead. And how do we know that that fullness is being worked in your life? Dare I say it's not speaking in tongues. Dare I say it's not working in the prophetic. Those are giftings of the Holy Spirit, which did fall 2,000 years ago today. Amen. 
But I'm telling you right now, there's a reason why it's referred to, or he is referred to as the Ruach HaKodesh. Ruach, Spirit, Kodesh, Holy. If we do not see holiness manifesting in our life, I hate to break it to you, especially if you come from a Pentecostal background. It's time to know the Godhead. It's time to know the Godhead. See, Peter knows Christ, but he's not walking in holiness because he denies him three times. But when he receives the, the Spirit's power, he's willing to be crucified upside down. Right? We can know Christ. But we may not have completely sold ourselves as a bondservant to him until we are receiving the Spirit of God. Amen? So this, this Sunday, man, I'm, I'm encouraging you. Have you had a little knocking on your heart of your door to step into deeper levels of righteousness? If not, I would take a pause today. See what kind of things in your life that uh, you've grown a little too comfortable with and you haven't allowed the Spirit's power to come in and convict. Come on, I don't care who you are. You could be like Billy Graham. I mean, obviously he's in heaven now, but there are things that he needed to repent of, I'm sure, and, and things that he needed to work on in righteousness. Whoever the big name is today, I'm telling you, there needs to be a transformation. This is the power of Pentecost. The power of Pentecost is, yes, giftings of speaking in tongues and prophecy and words of knowledge, but penultimately, it is, I have come and received the power of the resurrection by the Spirit of God to be able to be transformed into His image. The blood saves you. The Spirit is the transformation power. Because you can't do it on your own. You can't. And that's what's also so powerful about this, this, this scripture right here. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is one of the most, I think this is one of the most amazing scripture verses in the New Testament. Maybe second only to it is finished. Here's Jesus in John 16, sitting with his disciples. And he says, I need to go away. Not that he needs to go away. That it is better for him to go away. It's like, how often, how often, right? In my heart too, my heart, we want Jesus here. We want Jesus here. Jesus come, Jesus come, Jesus come. Jesus is not coming until the great trumpet blast. He's sitting on the right-hand throne of the Father, interceding for us. I know we want him here, but he said to his very disciples, you don't want me here. Anyone? I mean, like, that's like crazy to me. I mean, Jesus is actually saying, you want me to go. It is better if I go, because if I go, then I can intercede on your behalf next to the Father, and he will send the helper, the Spirit of God, to you. So, with that being said, how often in our church services, how often when we wake up and we put our feet on the bed, you say, Holy Spirit, please come. Come and guide me today. Come and convict me 
of sin today. Come and convict me of righteousness today. Come, come. Empower me with your breath in order to be transformed into the gospels where everywhere I place my feet, the hordes of hell are being shaken and I come into contact with, pe- with people and they sense the spirit of God because if you have the Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit's job? The conviction of sin. So if you're bearing the Holy Spirit when you come into a room, what happens? There's a conviction of sin. There's a conviction of righteousness. Come on. I'm telling you, I, I, know, I, I hate when pastors do this, but I remember when I was in graduate school, at the end of graduate school, I had born-again believers come up to me and apologize. They're like, we distanced ourselves from you. And I was like, why? What's the deal? He said, because coming in contact with you and seeing your life was one where there was a conviction. And we didn't want it. I'm not saying I'm necessarily doing that every day, but apparently that was happening then. Praise the Lord. Okay, Lord. Remind me what my life was like at that time and what was I doing, right? This is what we're talking about. Like when we come into a room, when we come into a place, it's not a, a level of, of condemnation, right? There's a spirit of conviction when we bear the presence of God. Anyone have come into contact with a brother or sister like that? You're just around them and you're like, oh my goodness, I want to be molded more into the image of Jesus. Right? I mean, I'm, my, 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 my good friend Alan, when I'm around him, I'm just like, man, I need to be transformed more into the grace of the Lord. We're around him, I'm like, man, I, I want to be molded more into the love of the Lord, right? When I come in contact with Josh, which is all the time, it's like, man, I want to be molded into a deeper sense of healing and emotional healing, right? That's what happens when people are bearing the presence of the Spirit of God. I want that, and the world needs that. Amen? So, just a little bit of retraining. It's not just about the gifting. Giftings are awesome, and the giftings are powerful, and the giftings are a testimony. But I'm telling you, I'm, this is my heart's going to Before I ever, give, ever even give a prophetic word, Lord, I just want to be molded into holiness and righteousness by the Spirit's power. Because I can't do it on my own. I can't do it by myself. Right? And it's his conviction. And with his conviction, he's going to give you the giftings and the power to do it. Amen? So... Today's message, right? Uh, dissension produces ascension. Descension, or when one descends, they're able to ascend. You see, in Jesus' life, when he's being baptized by John, there's a dove that comes down upon him and descends upon him. There is a very, very strong motif. I don't even want to call it a motif. I want to call it a law. Like the Bible has certain type of standardized laws, like philosophical, spiritual laws, Right? And the law here is this, that in order to ascend, one must first descend. In order for Jesus to ascend in power, the Spirit had to descend on him. Jesus performs no miracle until the Holy Ghost descends upon him and then he ascends. Amen? This is, this is, this is something that we need to get into our spirits this Pentecost. Let's turn to uh, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this 
He ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. Man, what power. You can't descend any lower than hell. That's as low as one can go. And as low as he went into hell is as high above the heavens he sits. See, this is the paradigm of fire falling upon Acts 2. It is a spiritual law. And the law is you want to be raised up in Christ in heavenly places, which everyone likes to preach on. Yeah, a lot of preaching goes on that because we like that. But I'm telling you this, you're not going to be able to go that high unless you go low. And I'm not saying beating yourself up. I'm talking about in a, in a spirit of humility and a spirit of ridding the self of the conditions of Adam. Amen? To ascend, one must first descend, for descension produces ascension. It does kind of break my heart that not all, but a general vibe over the last 20 years has been on ascension. Ascension, ascension, like growing, growing. I don't know how to phrase this, but receiving all the blessings that you receive in Christ Jesus, which is absolutely 100% true. But there is this law, it's a law of the scripture. That in order to ascend into positions of authority, we first now de first descend into positions of servanthood. This is more like, hey, I want to be a, an apostle one day, so I'm going to clean bathroom toilets. No, no, like, no. I mean, that's a cool principle, but it, it's an element that we in the Christian walk, we have been called to descend and make ourselves lowly. And then he will raise us up. This is, this is the Christian walk, people. This is the Christian walk, and I believe this is what the Lord is speaking to us uh, today. Matthew chapter 20. Really cool scripture. I love it because he calls my people out. I love it when Jesus calls you out. And I think he's calling our culture out 2,000 years ago. Matthew chapter 20. Verse 25, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, right? He's calling my people out, the Gentiles, the non-Jews. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. All right, so the way of the Gentiles. We say the way of the world. Come on, the Gentiles until the end of the age, right, rule the world. Right? The nations of the earth rule the world, and their culture rules the world. Look at our culture of the West. Look at the culture of planet Earth. It's all about what? Rulership, right? It's all about lordship. You work in a company, you want to move up the corporate ladder, right? In a church, you want to move on up, quote unquote. Like, there is a fundamental teaching of the culture of the Gentiles that the goal is to rule. The goal is to have the authority. It is so deeply impregnated into our culture that that's what we aspire to be. 
It's everything that we want to do through high school or college or starting a business. I want to get to the top so that I have authority. Now, did Christ come to give us authority? Yes, but very different authority. Not an authority that the Gentiles do. You and I are no longer classified as Gentiles. We are now classified as the adopted sons of Abraham. And then, therefore, we should be adopting the rules of Abraham's seed. The rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Can I read that again? Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is, this is dissension, man. You want to be great? Go become a slave. Go become a servant. That's what Christ, that's what Messiah, that's what Mashiach is saying. He's saying that we do not live by the culture of the Gentiles. The Gentiles want to ascend. Disciples want to descend. Because it's a spiritual law. As far as far down you go is as high as you shall be raised up. The Son of God descended to the place of sin. If there ever was a CEO of the universe, it's Jesus. And the CEO doesn't clean the toilets. He goes down the sewage, down into the muck, and he becomes as lowly as one can be. For the Spirit of God to raise him up. Now, okay, fine. You know, you're working in a company. You know, I'm, not, I'm not against climbing the corporate ladder. You know? There's, there's not necessarily inherently wrong with that. It's more a question of what do you do with the authority which has been given to you? Do you lord over? Do you manipulate? Do you control? Do you get what you want? Or with the authority that you get, you actually feed other people, right? You pour into them, right? There's different types of authority, people. There are people that come to authority that take. There are people that come into authority to give. Lording, lording, lording. I want, I want more. Come on. That's not the way of a Christian. Shouldn't even be in our paradigm. You have to descend. And that's part of what today is about. Descending of spirit of God in order for us to be able to ascend with the right authority. So, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the phoenix. This is actually a picture of the phoenix, right? It's from Greek mythology. Which I'm always, I didn't want to necessarily bring that into a Christian discussion, but it's enough of an idea that has Really, been taken from scripture here, really. All right, the story of the phoenix, right? When all is dead and all is ash, the phoenix rises out, right? You guys have heard and felt that kind of energy, I'm sure, right? It's, it's a thing of hope. When all is stripped away, when all is taken, the phoenix rises out of the ashes, out of the ashes of destruction. But I feel in, in general, in very broad strokes, that there has been so much focus on people rising out of the ashes. 
How do you get your territory? How do you get your thing? How do you do this? How do you do this? Getting, 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 getting. And there has not been much talk on the dying of the flesh. Being made holy by the Spirit's power. Like, I, I want to come to a place in my walk with the Spirit's power to say, like, I, I actually want to die to the flesh, right? That, that's the Christian message. That's the Christian walk. I, I don't necessarily want to just get more and more and more. I actually want to be less, less, less and rely more and more on Him. You know, it's crazy. You know, we were, we were talking at the beginning of worship. You know, today marks the one-year anniversary of us being open as a church through the COVID experience. And during this time, I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I have learned a lot this year. I learned things that I didn't want to learn about this year, to be quite honest. Uh, Hannah, maybe, uh, I don't know if Dana is here, she's got the baby, but would you come down on the, on the keys when we close it up a little bit? I learned so much, man. I, I learned so much about myself. Anyone else learn a lot about themselves? Gosh, be a list. Learned so much about myself. I learned so much about society and government and law. I learned that with a, a, a drop of fear, a drop of fear, not even a vial of fear. We're talking about a drop, a drop of fear. Yeah, if we just bring the piano down a little more, yeah. There's just a drop of fear, like the, uh, the entire world can come to a halt. And with a drop of fear, your entire Bill of Rights almost can be thrown out the window, right? I learned about, a lot about the Big C Church. I want to be careful, of course, right? Well, let's just call a spade a spade, right? We learned a lot about the church world. That with a little pressure, with a little pressure, will change. And I'll be quite honest, I, 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 I pray for them. And I'm concerned for them. Because if you think that this last year was trial, was tribulation, was persecution... Praise the Lord that he must speed up that day because he will not find faith on planet earth. This is nothing. I need you to hear this because this is, this, is, this is the hinge of the sermon. I'm going to try to connect it to Pentecost. I am telling you, please, this is, this is coming from, here it is, Pentecost. This is coming from the Spirit of the Lord. Everything that we just walked through in this last year, I know things are starting to get relieved. I know... Things are starting to open up a little bit. I am telling you that the spirit that reigns over earth has used this as a testing ground. He has used this to see how far he can push, what he can do. And at some point, I can guarantee it because it's in the book of Revelation. I, I, I'm not making this up, right? Just read the book of Revelation that no one wants to read anymore. This is nothing. So the way I look at it is that this experience in this last year has been a training ground. We need to be trained. 
I know things are opening up. Don't forget the training. That with an ounce of fear, you can shut everything down. With an ounce of fear, you could be in fear and trepidation. No, by the presence of God, I shall fear no man. And I shall fear no evil, even a virus. Yeah, be wise. I know we always throw that in there. Yes, be wise. But I'm telling you, right, so much has changed. And so many people are reporting they'll never come back to church ever again. I'm telling you, this is a training ground. It's a training ground on where you stand. Where do you stand when things get rough? The only way that anyone will ever be able to navigate future issues, future problems, will be by the presence of the Holy Ghost in your life. Virus, war, Rumors of war, earthquakes, you name it. We will have to come to a place by the presence of God that you will literally know by the conviction of the Holy Ghost which street to walk down and which street not to walk down. Where to go and not where to go. When to open your mouth and when to be quiet. It only comes by the presence of the ghost. Too many people have folded, and too many people have bent the wrong knee, or bent their knee to the wrong thing. This is just a test. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each other, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Pentecost, in the message of Pentecost, yes, we need to be equipped. We need to be equipped with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we need to be equipped with signs, wonders, miracles, power. But my concern is that there's such a focus in some circles on that that we're forgetting that there needs to be a power of righteousness. A power and conviction of sin. A power and conviction that Lord Jesus, by your Spirit's power, I want everything that's got to go to go. I want to be molded into the image of the Messiah. Because you're sitting on the right hand throne of the Father, interceding for that to transpire. And if this last year showed me anything, it said, David, you need to be transformed more into his image. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's Paul the Apostle. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love.
Holy Spirit came. Continue the transferring work of Jesus. Lord, how do I convey this? It's so hard because there's been so much of the way of the Gentiles that has entered into our thinking, has entered into our being. Galatians 5, 16, I say then walk in the Spirit. I say then walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust of lordship, the lust of authority, the lust of control. Come on, man, you're going to fight with your wife? You're lusting after control. Come on, you get in a fight with a brother or sister in the Lord? Or they annoy you, or they get underneath your skin? You, you, you succumb to the lordship of the Gentiles. I'm talking about the deep deep places people this is the deep places this isn't like get free from you know the the sins that we all know about i'm talking about the deep things the sin of the flesh the sin of the ways of adam the culture of the gentiles walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill them for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do the the things that you wish but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, etc., etc. But verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with his passions and its desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I'm talking about the deep places, guys. I'm not talking about the pornography. I'm talking about the deep places. I'm not talking about the, necessarily the worry or the, the financial lack. I'm talking about the deeper man. Self-control, gentleness, kindness, kindness, kindness. Holy Ghost fire, not just to bring tongues of fire, but to bring goodness and gentleness and kindness. Come on, we just navigated a political season. Where is the kindness? No, I will convict. No, Holy Ghost convicts. I was so wrecked yesterday. I was, I was working at the house, and it, like, I, it was almost like a spirit came upon me, and I had this like feeling, a bad spirit, a feeling that I had to complete. I had to complete. I had to get the work done. I had to get it done. I had to look just right. I had to do all this kind of stuff. It's like, oh, man, where is the peace? I'm talking about those inner deep places. Forget about the pornography for a moment. Forget about the greed for a moment. I'm talking about the inner, deep places where you have to feel that you're justified. And you have to be the one that convicts. And you're the one that has to show that you are right. And that your political party is right. And that Jesus is right. Even all of this, the Spirit of God comes to bring the conviction. 
Lord, I don't want us to be a people that lord it over others. There's so much of the Christianity rhetoric that is really a displacement and a representation of lordship. Trying to rule. I don't want to rule. That's, that's, the, that's the call of the Christian walk. I don't want to rule, Lord. I want to be completely submitted. Submitted to you walking out in love and kindness and self-control and patience and perseverance. Because in that place there is no law. No one can be angry with me. No one can feel that I'm being judgy if I walk in those things. But Lord, your bride, your bride has adopted, has adopted the culture of the Gentiles. Root it out, Lord. We're not of this earth. We're not of this earth. I want to be free. I want your people to be free. Free from everything. Free from gluttony. Free from compulsion. Free, 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 free from performance. Brenning Manning. In his book, The Relentless Tenderness of Jesus, says the only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence becomes an act of rebellion. I'm talking free from everything. Nothing, nothing, nothing grabs a hold of you. Rebellion against your own nature. There is nothing more maddening. I love this. There is nothing more maddening to the mob than a free person. There is nothing more maddening to the hordes of hell than a free person. I'm talking real freedom, people. I'm not talking about that you have been freed from the powers of sin and death. I'm talking you have been made free from the conditions of Adam. I'm saying that you are walking, as Jason taught last week, you're walking as a dead man. There's a dead man walking here. There's nothing left. It's just, it's just the embodiment of Christ. It's the embodiment of the Spirit of God. We're talking about that level of freedom. That the expectations that people place on you have nowhere to go. That, that when the emotions come on you, they just drip right off of you. It would be so maddening to a world. It would be so maddening to a religious spirit. It would be so maddening to a Christian that has been brought up in a culture of lordship where nothing touches you anymore. Because you're filled with the fruits of the Holy Ghost. I got patience. I got self-control. I got kindness and gentleness. I don't get my value from what another person is thinking or saying about me. It's all gone. It's all empty. I'm a dead man walking. It's just a shell with the Spirit of God living and breathing inside of us. People, I'm telling you, that's what the world needs. They don't need an interpretation of tongues. That's what the world needs more than a prophecy. The world needs to see free men and women, sons 
and daughters that everything that the world tries to hit us, everything that religiosity tries to hit us, just poof. I'm free. Come on, let me stand. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But Lord, we need the Spirit's power. Holy Ghost, right now. Come on, I know, I know I don't even know what time it is, but I know there's things to do. I know. I got a whole bunch of things to do. I have so much to do. And in doing those things, I receive a sense of worth and value. And that's what Jesus, and that's what the Holy Ghost has got on my heart right now. You are not to do it. Just be free. So let's, 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 let's not just miss this moment. Come on, right now. Holy Spirit, you. Not the husband. You. Not the wife. You, not the pastor. You, 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 Spirit of God. Come and bring a conviction of righteousness. <laughs> because if you bring the conviction of righteousness, we're walking in the Spirit, and then we could be free men and women. Come on. Just take a moment. I know it's getting a little late, but let's just let's take a moment. And allow the Spirit of God to come and bring a conviction. Come on, that thing, that thing that's holding on to you, that way of thinking, that way and culture of the Gentiles, the ways of the world, the comforts of the world, the way in which the world says you need to do things and protect and conserve and to keep Come on, right now. Conviction, conviction, conviction. Conviction, Holy Ghost. Come on, spirit of conviction right now, fall. Come on, come on. Jesus. Oh, Pentecost Sunday, we want to be transformed right now. Holy Ghost Sunday, we want to be transformed right now. We want to be transformed right now. Conviction of righteousness, a spirit of holiness, fall on your bride, fall on your bride, fall on your bride, fall on your bride like you did 2,000 years ago. Lord, let's take a moment right now. We're just going to say, we, we, right now, Lord, in this moment, we don't care about the prophetic word right now, although I love prophetic words. We don't care about the word of knowledge right now. We don't care about the speaking of tongues and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, what we care right now is a conviction of holiness. Everything, everything of the culture of the world, everything, the way we talk to one another, the way that we respond to one another, the way that we do things, we want it to go now by the fire of God. You can have the altar team come forward, please. As Hannah continues, if that's okay. 
We're going to have a time. If the Lord is, come on. Come on, if the Lord is convicting you of something. We've got some people up here, including myself. We have Jess, we have Tony, myself. We're just going to pray. Tongues of fire. Fire of God, come. Come and sanctify. Progressive sanctification. We want to descend so that we can ascend. We want to descend so we can ascend and be a voice, a voice to a nation. Come on, let us be made low and be servants. Let us humble ourselves. Let us humble ourselves and say, look, I I have a conviction of righteousness. I need this rooted out of my life. Dove of God, come. Come with fire to purify to purify all the impurities in the temple. Come on, that's a time of rejoicing, people. I know it's crazy, right? But come on, God came to earth and is like, hey, I'm going to die for your sin. I'm going to bring the Spirit of God so that you can be molded into my likeness. How amazing is that? We can be molded into the likeness of a God in which we serve. That's a day of rejoicing. Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We have our cafe next door. Please, let's just keep the conversation in here limited so we just have a time of just holiness unto the Lord and prayer. Have a wonderful week.